Good day, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know if you've heard of Father Casey Cole. Don't go watch his videos because it's a waste of time. Nonetheless, one of the ones that he did is kind of going around the internet. You can see it there. It's called What the Bible Says and Doesn't Say About, about Homosexuality. And uh, there was a rebuttal video put out by Father Sharon. Uh, I believe it's called pronounced Sharon. Maybe Sharon. You can see that there. I've got my cursor on it. And Father did an incredible job of breaking down exactly the problem with Father Casey's video. I'm not going to show his video here because I want you to go watch it, but I want to piggyback off of some of his ideas um, because I think he hit the nail on the head. So what Father Sharon basically said is Father Casey is the first firstborn of Satan. And what he was re referring to was St. Polycarp was talking about Marcion, one of the early church heretics. And back in those days, the church fathers, the great saints of the early church, they wouldn't mince words. And he called Marcion the first son of Satan or the firstborn of Satan. And he said, this applies to Father Casey because essentially he is making the same heretical statements about the scriptures. And what are those? Essentially, Father Casey believes that the truths surrounding the morality of the particular act in question he believes that it changes essentially because of cultural context. And this is another way of saying that there is an Old Testament revelation and there's a New Testament revelation, which essentially is the false gospel of Marcion, who is the first son of Satan, according to St. Polycarp. And Father Sharon is exactly correct to use that terminology for Father Casey. I actually just put, an article to, uh, put out an article today on my Substack um, where I went through why it's so upsetting and, and, and unfortunate today that so few men, both priests and lay people, will just call it like they see it and they try to, you know, namby-pamby around with qualifiers and sound smart. And it's like, just get to the heart of the matter. How did St. John the Baptist talk? How did Christ talk to the Pharisees and the heretics? How did the early church fathers talk? I mean, how did the prophets talk in the Old Testament? They didn't walk into a den of thieves and say, you know, let me explain to you the basis for, you know, objective morality. They just said, you are the first son of, firstborn of Satan, and that was the end of the argument, and that was exactly correct. And that's something we have to recapture in the church. So thank you very much to Father Sharon for doing that. Very few men in the church do that today. Very, very few. Um, and in the last century, very few have done that as well. Uh, one of the great ones was Archbishop Lefebvre. I don't know if Father Sharon wants to be compared to him like that. I'm sorry, but it's, it's my podcast. I can't help myself with uh, my affection for Archbishop Lefebvre. In any case... Here's why Father Casey is exactly wrong. And you don't have to go watch the video. You don't have to go sully your intellect and, and put that nonsense into your soul. What he's basically saying is that the reality of what is binding based on the scriptures changes with the changing of times and cultures. And this is why he is a pure modernist par excellence. You can read Pashendi by Pope Pius X, where he goes through this. And I recommend you go read that encyclical, uh, especially in the first few paragraphs. You can already find this problem. And it starts with this idea that the modernists believe that essentially revelation is something internal, not external, and that the truth of that changes over time because revelation is continually happening in the hearts of believers. So this is what you see with men like Father James Martin will say, well, you know, the rainbow community hasn't received the teaching from the church, so they're not culpable if they break the teaching of the church, which is another way of saying, well, they don't believe it, therefore it doesn't apply to them which means not only are these men modernists, but because they're modernists, they're necessarily relativists. 
But the problem with a modernist like Father Casey, I don't know him and I don't care to talk to him because I don't want to talk to the first son of Satan. Um, but um, they get around the condemnation on the, in the most surfacey objective level because they can say they're not relativists because they can say that the evolution of truth is an objective fact. And there's the game they play. So if you were to ask someone like Father Casey, is two plus two four, he would say yes. If you were to, if you were to ask, can two plus two ever be five? I think he'd probably say no. And the reason he'd say, well, because the truth of mathematics doesn't change. So this, this man can say that he believes in objective truth, while at the same time, he can say that certain truths objectively must evolve. This is how they get around the condemnation of being a modernist, essentially. Uh, obviously they are, but this is why you can't strawman these, 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 these serpents because their system is very, very cunning. Um, so essentially, Father Casey believes that because there were certain mores and taboos 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 years ago, this is the context in which they're in. This is how God had to reveal it to them. But we live in an age where things have changed and blah, 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 blah. And therefore, it has to be revealed to us in the way that we live today. Um, this is obviously heretical. This is the gospel, the false gospel of Marcion, which is who um, Father uh, Sharon compares him to. In any event, um, I want to just say something here. Speaking of just telling the truth and not caring about consequences, it's not just the liberals who are guilty of this same problem. It is also many of the conservative Catholic apologists of our day. And I'm going to explain one shibboleth why that is. So if you don't know this story from the Old Testament, I can't remember which book it's in. I think it's in one of the historical books on the Kings or something. I might be wrong. Maybe it's in Joshua. See, I don't know. But I remember this story. And what is shibboleth? Well, this one group of people need to know who's in and who's out, who's a spy, who's not a spy, that sort of thing. And there's a word or a sound or pronunciation in the, in the Bible, it's pronounced shibboleth. And it depends on how you pronounce that. And depending on how you pronounce that, it will be evidence of you either being um, part of the group or not part of the group. So if you're talking to them and you, it's kind of like, um, you know, somebody is from New York, if they say standing online, versus the rest of us who speak English properly would say standing in line, you know, standing in line at the movies, they'd say standing online. Um, you can know if somebody's from where they're from, if they say standing online. Um, there's also another one, pin and pen. If you ask someone from certain states, kind of as they start to get closer to the South, pin, a pin is a pen, a pen is a pin. They can't pronounce them differently. That's a, it's called the pin pen test, things like that. Anyway, there's a reference to this in the Old Testament, and basically it's kind of like a dog whistle, okay? If there's one shibboleth or dog whistle where somebody has imbibed the modernist heresy, it is with the interpretation of the first three books, especially of the book of Genesis. So for 19 centuries, virtually until 1950 or so, it was the standard interpretation across the board of all the saints mystics, theologians, scholastics, church fathers, early church fathers, popes, whatever, catechisms, catechisms that were extended all over the world, um, that what happened in the creation story in the Bible was literally true. 
Now, there was obviously room for mystery because lots of things are not recorded there, and that's fine. They're not in there, so obviously we don't know. But it was Adam and Eve were created. It happened instantaneously. It happened in a very short time. Uh, Eve was made from Adam. Adam was made from the stuff of the earth, not from some other animal or something like that. And that's the story. Um, and this was in, again, papal thing after papal thing, catechism after catechism, uh, bishop statement after bishop statement, encyclical after encyclical, um, council after council talked about these truths. There's various councils that talk about these things. Um, you know, Pope Leo XIII in Arcanum, he writes as a very passing line, you know, we believe what no one can deny, he said, that on the sixth day, Eve was made from the side of Adam. The only person who was very famous that disagreed with St. Augustine, and people will use him to say, well, look, evolution is possible, except St. Augustine believed that it happened instantaneously because he had a translation of the scriptures that was not correct because the Latin Vulgate wasn't made yet. And Augustine, admittedly, by his own admission, couldn't read in Greek, so he trusted this translation. And it basically said that all things were created simultaneously. So Augustine believed that it didn't take six days for creation. He believed it took, you know, that of a finger. In any case, the conservative Catholic apologists of our day, many of whom will castigate Father Casey for his basically relativism about the scriptures, they're guilty, even if in a more cunning way and a more palatable way, of a very similar modernist or at least neo-modernist methodology in their theology. Because what you have to believe to buy the myth, of, to buy the idea that Genesis is basically allegorical and that Adam was born from some sort of non-rational, uh, non-souled, with no soul sort of hominid something or other, uh, and that Eve would have to have been born a similar way. A couple things, problems there. Both of them would have to have been born immaculately conceived, or they would have had to have been created uh, as sort of these non-souled, non-rational hominid types, and then they themselves would have had to have had souls infused in them. There's no room for this in Catholic doctrine, by the way. This is total fantasy, but this is what they believe. Um which also is a problem because we know that each human soul is created immediately at the moment of conception. Um, that's the teaching of the church. Anyway, point is though, the consequences of this mentality are massive. And here's why. They're going to get to the same place as Father Casey, even if they do it in a more cunning and less egregious way. And because they, if you press them on this and you say, why was it? That every single church father, every single anyone, all the Catholics, all the saints, all the catechisms, all everything. Why is it that they believe that Genesis was literally true in those first few chapters? What answer can they give other than God revealed what they could understand? Because they didn't have scientific knowledge. That is the same thing Father Casey is saying. It's just not about morality. It's about history. But historical modernism, modernism in history, is also condemned in Pashendi. And Pius X has a whole section on modernist as historian. And the modernist as historian relegates biblical truths to um, uh, eras and epochs in history where they're attached to that particular context. It's the exact same thing. They have to believe that all the great saints, all the great popes, all the great bishops, all the great mystics, all the great church fathers, all the great theologians in the technical sense of that designation, all the great scholastics, Thomas Aquinas, St. Augustine, you know, pick your person. All of them only understood 
what they were capable of understanding because they didn't have the knowledge that we have today. That is the exact same argument Father Casey is making. They're just not making it about something that you find, viewer, to be as repulsive from a moral perspective. They're saying it about the interpretation of Scripture. You see? And if you push them on this, they're either going to have to say, well, yes, uh, they're either going to have to say all of those great saints, all of them didn't know what they were talking about, or they'll have to say they were conditioned by their circumstances to understand it in the way they had to understand it based on what they knew. Insert, you know, switch out Genesis and the creation story with Leviticus and the condemnation of homosexuality. Well, God revealed that to them in Leviticus because it fit what they could understand based on what they knew. But we know more today. Flip to Genesis. Well, God revealed that to them based on what they could understand because of what they knew, but we know more today. So, bravo to Father Sharon for doing this. But be on guard, even for the conservative Catholic apologists who will castigate Father Casey, because they themselves are just as guilty, although in less morally egregious ways, of the same methodology that makes Father Casey a heretic. As always, let me know what you think in the comments. This has been the Kennedy Report. Until next time. God bless.